Good morning, everyone. This is Patrick Johnson, and welcome to Serve Community Church online. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning and to worship uh, together wherever we are, whether you're in your home, whether you're in Kansas City, whether you're across the globe, uh, we welcome you as we worship our God this morning. Um, a couple of announcements before we get into the teaching this morning. First of all, there's a connection card uh, that we have online at servecc.org, which is our website, servecommunitychurch.org, servecc.org. And on that connection card, we invite you to go and just to fill it out. If you want us to pray for anything, if you want to tell us how you're doing, if there's anything that you want to reach out to us, we feel free to use that connection card to do that. Also, I, I really just would encourage you to like us on Facebook or uh, that's really how we communicate a lot of what's going on, especially in these times. So if you're watching us today on Facebook, you might want to just like our Facebook page and, uh, and find out what's going on in the life of Serve and how we can serve you as well. Also, there's a Hope for Asia telethon that's on June the 7th from 5 to 8. As you know, we are living under a global pandemic, and uh, I think sometimes what we don't realize is that across the globe, our brothers and sisters in um, Asia, in Africa, and other parts of the world are are struggling. The food ch chain has been blocked off and there's famines that are sort of sweeping the globe. And so this is a Hope for Asia telephone where we'll learn more about that and how we might be the body of Christ to our global brothers and sisters around the globe. So that's from uh, June 7th from 5 to 8 p.m. You will, We'll send out more information about that. We'd encourage you just to take some time and maybe jump on and see what's going on there. We're also going to send out a survey. Uh, the link is going to be in the comments section of this Facebook feed. Uh, just to see how you're doing and just to get your input on when we should start meeting again. We're considering as leaders of the church, when do we want to start meeting? We're not going to meet in June, but when do we? And, and how comfortable do you feel about coming back to physical church and meet together as a body? So this survey uh, is just to sort of gauge your feelings on that. Let us know how you're feeling about that. And our final announcement is in the area of generosity. This is a season where we can be generous, can't we? Whether in our neighborhoods, on our streets, uh, like we just talked about around the globe, there's so much opportunity for generosity. So one of the things we'll talk about this morning is, is what does it mean to live outside of ourselves? And this should be a season where we're doing that. And we're grateful for you and your financial generosity, your financial giving to serve Community Church. And so we just encourage you, keep giving. Uh, we are lean, we're mean, well, I hope we're not mean, but we are lean, uh, and we're a kind church, and, and it's your generosity, it's your giving that helps us do that. Jacob's over there shaking his head, by the way. So anyway, uh, just thank you for your generosity, and keep thinking about how God might use you to meet needs, not only at Serve, but in your local, globally, uh, where he might lead. So let's go into the, to the Word of God this morning. Before we do that, let's pray. Let's ask God to be with us wherever we are. Father, we do thank you that uh, you are with us everywhere at all times. There's nowhere we can go that you're not there. And so we just pause to worship you before we get into your word. We pause to say thank you for your goodness to us, for your grace. We, we pause to ask for wisdom. We say that you say that if you ask for wisdom that you will give generously if we just ask. And so we ask, would you give us wisdom this morning? I pray that your spirit would guide us into truth because your spirit does guide into truth. I pray that you would help us wherever we are to learn, to grow, to be more like Jesus because of our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. I was thinking back to my childhood and uh, when I used to get into trouble. And whenever I got into trouble, I knew there was a spanking on the other side of my trouble. 
And what happened was if it was in the afternoon, I did something I shouldn't have. My mom would say, when your dad gets home, he's going to give you a spanking. And I hated those words because my dad gave hard spankings. And so as a child, the one emotion that I felt as I was going through that was the emotion of anxiety, of uh, uh, just being afraid of what was going to happen. I can remember whatever I was doing that day was always tainted by that anxiety that when dad got home, I was going to get a spanking. You know, it's not just in childhood. When I was an adult or am I as an adult, as I grew into my adulthood, you know, one of the things I fear that I get really anxious about is having hard conversations with people. So if I had to have a hard, difficult conversation with someone that I worked with the night before, I can guarantee you that I wouldn't sleep, that I would sit there and my mind would go over and over again about the conversation that I had. And I felt anxiety in that. Perhaps you can relate to that. Those are hard conversations. You know, we're in a series called Emotionally Healthy Disciples. And in it, we're looking at what God's Word says about our emotions, which is one of those areas that's always below the surface. And yet many times we don't want to deal with our emotions. They're, it's complex. They're difficult. They're painful at times, but they're there. But as disciples of Jesus, one of part of being a disciple of Jesus is that we need to grow in our emotional health. And I can tell you, for Jennifer and I, my wife, this has been a great series. It's very practical. We have spent more time, like after the teaching, talking about different things in our lives that are very emotional, that are hard to get, get out and get on the table. We've had long conversations about our family of origin issues. We've had long conversations about our beliefs, like on money, about children, about our expectations. And I mean, we've just talked into the night oftentimes about this is what it feels like in this instant so that we understand one another deeply. That's the value of going deep on emotions. You get to know each other. You get to learn each other. You get to find healing in the trauma. So this morning, we're going to look at a tough emotion. That emotion is anxiety. And so what I did was I looked up a definition of anxiety online, and I actually found the scientific def definition of anxiety. And this is what the scientific definition says. It's a state of apprehension. Try it again. Okay. Am I back? Yep. Okay, great. Welcome back. This is the, the beauty of online church is you get to be flexible uh, as Facebook does things to you. So what I was talking about, the point is that anxieties are deep and we don't need to minimize them. We need to address them in a deep way. It's not just about nice Bible verses or pithy sayings. Uh, that's not helpful when we're experiencing anxiety. We need to go into this deep internal work and that's what's going to happen today. So what does Jesus teach? If Jesus experienced anxiety as a human, how does he lead us out of anxiety? And what does he teach us about anxiety? I think he talks about it often. And one of his most famous teachings is found in Luke 12, where Jesus is talking to his disciples about the emotions of anxiety. So think about that for a second. If Jesus was teaching them about anxiety, he probably witnessed anxiety in those that he lived among. He probably saw Peter, James, and John and the other apostles experiencing and demonstrating anxiety. And so he knew that was probably an issue for them. And so he was going to teach them in Luke 12 about how do we come out of anxiety. So let's read for a second how Jesus instructs his disciples about how to conquer anxiety. It's found in Luke 12. <clears throat> And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. 
and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Let me read that again. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. (laughs) Notice that. Fear not, little flock. For it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide purses for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and, and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's Jesus talking to his disciples. He's addressing the anxiety that they felt. We know that Jesus felt anxiety. And these are teachings of Jesus on anxiety that will lead us out of our anxiety today. So I want to look at three antidotes to anxiety out of Luke 12, 22 through 34. And I want to see what Jesus teaches us about these antidotes to anxiety. So here's the first one, the first anxiety antidote, if you will. We need to grow in our view of God. So let me ask you this question. What's the first word that comes into your mind when you think about God? What's the first word? When you think about God, the first word that comes into your mind is what? You know, for some of us, it might be love. Some of us, it might be caring. But for others of us, it might be fear. It might be disappointment. And here's a really interesting thing, is that Jesus had a perfect view of God. You think about wise, because he was with God before the world began. Before anything was ever created, he had perfect communion with God from all eternity. He knew God. He was in perfect relationship with God. So Jesus' view of God would have been crystal clear. And think about how Jesus described God in the passages that we just read. He said that God feeds the birds of the air. He clothes the grass of the field. It's amazing to think about the God who created everything cares about the grass of the field or the birds of the air. He describes God as what? Father who knows what you need. He's your Father who knows what you need. This very intimate language of Abba, Father. God is not some just person off of there. He's intimate. He knows you and He knows what you need and He's a Father who knows what you need. And I love verse 32 in this passage and how Jesus who had a perfect relationship with God, who saw God clearly, uses three things to describe God in this very short verse in in verse 32. Let me read it again. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So three ways that Jesus described God, three views of God that Jesus had in this one verse. First of all, he describes God as a shepherd. There's a little flock, and anytime you have a flock, there's a what? There's a shepherd. And Jesus describes God as a tender as a as a shepherd who tenderly watches after the sheep. You're a little flock, and you've got a God who tenderly is your shepherd, who watches over you 
Like the psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me besides quiet waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. God, Jesus, who clearly saw God, described God as a shepherd who tenderly watches after his sheep. The second word he uses is father. He's a father who knows what we need and he loves to, to give. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's not a stingy father. He's not a begrudging father. He's a generous father who knows what we need and he loves to give. He just talked about it with the lilies of the field and the grass and the birds. He knows what we need and he loves to give. He's a generous father. The third view of God that Jesus had clearly was he's a king. Your father's been pleased to give you the what? The kingdom. Anytime you have a kingdom, you have a what? You have a king. And he was a king who has all power and authority. So Jesus, who had a clear view of God, describes God in these three amazing ways for us. But if I'm honest, we pick up so many ideas about God over our lifetime that are unspoken and untrue. Because we are human, our view of God is limited, and it's often wrong, isn't it? It is often tainted by our own sin. But here's the amazing thing. But Jesus, who existed with God perfectly in relationship before the creation of the world— and who lived as a human without the, the taint of sin, he gave us a beautiful description, a, bit of, a beautiful view of God as shepherd, father, and king. And seeing God rightly as shepherd, father, and king is a clear antidote to anxiety. What does that mean? It means in the midst of a global virus, he's our tender shepherd. He watches over us. He protects us. In the midst of uncertain economic times, he's our generous father. He knows exactly what we need, and his nature is he loves to give. In the midst of global anxiety, he's a powerful king. Nothing happens without his knowledge or outside of the scope of his power. So here's our question. How do we get this view of God that Jesus saw so clearly? In other words, wouldn't it be great to live your life with this view of God that Jesus had? We know it would be, right? And so the question is, how do we get that kind of view? We do the same things Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He abided with God. He was in deep relationship with his, with his father. Before the world began, he perfectly abided with God. When he walked on earth, he took times out to pray he took times out to connect with God in the, in, in, in the midst of busy ministry because he was connected to his father in relationship. And out of that abiding and connection, he saw God rightly. He saw God perfectly. And he understood the more rightly you view God, the less anxiety that we will have because we focus on a perfect God. But if I'm honest, I go through seasons of my life where I feel distant from God. And what I've noticed is that in those seasons of my life where I feel distance, where that relationship of God is not there, my anxiety level goes to the roof. I start looking at my circumstances. I start looking at all the things happening around me, and I can't control what's going to go on. And my anxiety goes up, or I just start looking at myself too much instead of looking at God, this shepherd, father, and king. Here's something I wrote down that I think really describes this. When my relationship with God wanes, my view of God diminishes and my anxiety level increases. Let me say that again. When my relationship with God wanes, my view of God diminishes and my anxiety level increases. 
You know, and this is really scary times that we live in. So let me ask you a question. If you had to rate your level of anxiety right now on a scale of zero to 10, with zero being no anxiety and 10 being freak out anxiety, what would you, what, where would you put yourself on the continuum? Zero to 10. And what I want you to think about is what does your anxiety level say about your relationship with God right now? Does it reflect a relationship with God where you see him as shepherd, father, and king? Or does it reflect a relationship that, with God that's, that's lacking in some way? That's a really key point because your view of God, which comes from a growing relationship with God, causes anxiety to diminish. And that's why abiding with God is so important. We talk a lot about abiding and obeying a lot at Serve Community Church. When we abide with God and we obey God, our relationship with God goes deeper. And whatever that looks like for you, my exhortation to you is you need to be abiding and obeying God. So it's, if it's being in Scripture in the morning or at night, be in the Scripture morning and night. If it's worship, be in times of worship. If it's going out and doing walks and just talking to God, whatever it means to abide with God for you, don't just think of it as like, I'm going to check this off the box and go in about my day. Don't think about it as just like, I've got to check it off and I feel good about myself if I did it. No, the reason God gives us those means of grace, his word, worship, community, walking outside in nature, he gives us those means of grace, not as an end of themselves, but as a means to an end. And the end itself is God as shepherd. His father is king. So you do those things to experience God and to get a clear view of God, which in the context of anxiety diminishes our anxiety. So wherever you're on the continuum today, my, my exhortation is go deep with God, abide with God in the ways that, that he gives you to abide with him. So that's the first one is we need to grow in our view of God. The second anxiety antidote is we need to seek God's kingdom in community. So here Jesus is saying, don't worry about your what you'll wear, what you'll eat, what you'll drink. You know, the, the, the pagan world runs after all those things. But what he says is that we need to seek his kingdom. In, verse, in Luke 12, 31 and 32, he says this, Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. So our shepherd, our father, our king has been pleased to give us the kingdom. And let me tell you, that is great news. That is great news. And what does it mean to live in the kingdom? It means to live with Jesus as Lord over every area of your life. That is what it means to be in the kingdom. You live with Jesus as Lord in every area of your life. Yes, Jesus is Savior, right? And I'm so grateful that Jesus saves. Amen? He saves. But Jesus is also Lord. And I don't know about you, but when I think about Jesus as Lord, so often I struggle with that because I want to go my own way. I, you know, I want to go do the things I, I want to do. And I think of like Jesus as Lord as like something that stifles my freedom. But I, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. And, and what I found is, is that living under the Lordship of Jesus is not always easy, but it's always safe. It's not always easy, but it's always safe. And what I notice is, is in the areas of my life where Jesus is not Lord, what happens in those areas of my life, because I'm trying to control them by myself, or I'm trying to focus on myself in those areas, those areas where Jesus is not Lord, my anxiety level goes up, and I'm miserable. 
But the counterintuitive thing is that when Jesus is the kingdom and he becomes Lord over your life, then those things that you think are going to bring like restriction actually ended up bringing you freedom. And that's what it means to put Jesus and Lord over every area of your life. Second thing that we learn in this passage is that Jesus says, you know what? We don't put Jesus as Lord by ourselves. We need to use, uh, we need to do this with others in community. We were meant to do life together. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. The idea of a flock is what? A community who is seeking first the kingdom of God together. And this totally goes against our cultural grain, right? In the West, we think it's all about individualism. It's about self-actualization. And even our rhythms of life push us toward isolation, don't they? We are sort of like the self-help. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstrap type of people. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You seek the kingdom of God together in community. And in doing that, anxiety starts to decrease. Think about this quarantine that we're in right now. What was the first thing the government told us to do? They said to self-quarantine, right? You got to self-quarantine to flatten the curve. Well, what is self-quarantine? It's a form of isolation. You stay in your house. Well, think about how we're wired. When national traumas hit, right, when things happen across the globe that bring anxiety and uncertainty, what do we want to do? We want to be around other humans, right? We long to be in community because that's a way that we we come out of our anxiety. We feel safer around other people. But yet in this pandemic over the last 60 days, our whole purpose has been to self-quarantine so that we can flatten the curve, which is fine medically. I think that was the right thing to do. But... The, the, the truth is we need community. We need community. We need each other to help process our anxiety. So the second antidote to anxiety is we seek first the kingdom of God by making Jesus Lord over every area of life, which seems like that would be stifling, but it's actually freeing. And we do that together in community. So two quick questions as we close this one down. Is Jesus Lord over every area of your life? I never forget the first time that was asked to me in my huddle. And that that question, as simple as it is, it was so eye-opening. Because I knew that Jesus was not Lord over every area of my life. And I don't think we reach a place where Jesus is Lord and it stays like that constantly. I think we have to fight for his Lordship over every area of our life because we're broken and we're sinners. So what areas of your life is Jesus not Lord over right now? I guarantee you those areas are areas where you're feeling anxiety. And secondly, who is your community that is helping you live into this kingdom and is there to bear your anxieties with you? You don't have to do it alone. So who is your person? Is it your significant other? Is it your huddle? Is it someone at work? Is it your parents? I don't care who it is, but you need to have other people in your life that you can talk out your anxiety, talk about your journey with Christ as you live in this kingdom of God. So we've seen that the first anxiety antidote is found in our view of God as shepherd, father, and king. And that happens as we abide and obey him in relationship with him. The second anxiety antidote is living in the kingdom of God with Jesus as Lord together in community. The third anxiety, and to close it down, is that we need to live beyond ourselves. And this is really counterintuitive. But one of the ways that we counter anxiety is by living beyond ourselves. I think it's fascinating that before these passages that we read about anxiety and don't worry uh, that we just read in Luke 12, Jesus tells a parable earlier in Luke 12. 
He tells the parable of a rich farmer, and I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm just going to tell it to you. So Jesus says there was a rich farmer, and he actually calls him the rich fool. And he says he had a great crop. He had more than he ever needed. And what he decided was, I'm just going to store all this stuff up in barns, and I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because I have nothing to worry about. I've got treasure for the rest of my life. And God said, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've stored up for yourselves there in the barn? And I love this statement that Jesus said. And he says, and this will how this is how it will be for everyone who is rich towards himself, but is not rich towards God. In this parable of the rich farmer, the rich fool, what we see is that a person who was living for himself, he was storing up. And he thought that he had life easy, that there was no reason for anxiety. And what he didn't realize is that God was about to call him into death. And look what Jesus says in Luke 12, 32 through 34, which is just the opposite of what that farmer did. He says, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide purses with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in Jesus' upside-down kingdom, another antidote to anxiety is to live beyond yourself. I think of it as kingdom economics. It doesn't make sense to give in a global pandemic, but yet there's a whole other economy outside of our Western economy that I call God's kingdom economy. And when you get in the flow of God's kingdom economy, great things happen. And I love what Jesus says here. He says, because God is so generous to give us the kingdom, in other words, God is a generous God, then we are called to be generous in the same way, radically, open-handedly, generously, we are, to be, we are to give like God. We have the DNA of God in us, and so we should be people who are generous, who live outside of ourselves. And when we live beyond ourselves, what we find is anxiety goes down. And why is that? I think the answer is found in verse 34. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the word heart there is not your physical heart. In the Greek, it's cardia. And what it means is it's your thoughts, your feelings. It's the center of who you are. And what Jesus says is that where you put your possessions, where you put your resources, where you put your time, where you put your energy, wherever that goes, that's where your center, your thoughts, your feelings will go also. So if your life is about spending on yourself, then your heart, your thought, your feelings will be on self and anxiety will increase. If your life is about giving to others, then guess what happens when we give to others generously out of whatever we have? then our thoughts and our feelings, our heart goes toward others and our and it, that decreases our anxiety. We're not thinking about ourselves anymore. We're thinking about others. And this is a surefire way to, to relieve your anxiety. I had an interesting thing a couple of weeks ago. We had a food pantry at Serve on one Saturday morning. And so I went with a, a small group of people and we hung out in the parking lot of, of the, the church where we meet. And, and we were just taking food donations and I, I thought about how life-giving that was. Over, over two hours, I sat there and I got to interact with people. I got to take in food. So I saw their generosity. I was able to receive their generosity. And we had 35 boxes of food that went to food pantries. 
And I thought about that was so life-giving. I got to sit around with Caleb and Emily and other people and just have good conversations. The fellowship was rich and it was deep. Even though it was Caleb, it was still great fellowship. And then what happened was that night I went home and I spent the whole night binging on a Netflix um, TV show. And I woke up the next morning and I thought, which one did I find life in? When I was in on Saturday morning, like taking in food, that was life-giving. I felt life. When I was watching Netflix for a whole night, that was life-draining. I felt the life draining out of me. And that's sort of what it is with our anxiety. If we're so self-focused and all of life is about Netflix and about me and my whole life goes to just what I am, my anxiety increases because it's all about me. But one of the beauties of living outside and beyond ourselves, just like our generous father and shepherd and king does, is that our eyes go from ourselves and our anxiety goes down. Scientific studies show that the happiest people in the world are people who are living for a purpose greater than themselves. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. So my question here is, are your resources, your possessions, your time, your energy, your network, are they all focused on yourself, which is going to lead to greater anxiety, the rich fool, the rich farmer? Or are they focused on others, less anxiety? It's counterintuitive, but it works. So that's where we are. Jesus understood our anxiety. He experienced it himself. It's a very real emotion. And there's micro-anxiety that we get from the traumas that we've had in our childhood, the way we're wired, our feelings. And there's also macro-anxiety, which is the world around us right now and what's going on all around us. And Jesus didn't diminish that. He said, you know what? I understand you feel fear. I understand you feel anxiety. I'm not going to diminish those feelings. I experienced those myself. And then he gave us clear teaching and he modeled for us how to come out of our anxiety it's by our view of God and growing in our view of God through relationship. It's by seeking the kingdom of God first, by making Jesus Lord over every area of our life and doing it in community with each other. And thirdly, it's living beyond ourselves and modeling the generosity of our God by how we live generously with other people. Those are clear ways that Jesus modeled and also taught us how to live lives free of anxiety. So what's the application? You know, one of the fears that I have, and I fall into this trap as well, if I'm honest, is that a lot of times Christians in the West, I know a lot of stuff, right? I can hear something like this and I know all the right stuff, but I don't go out and do anything about it. And the problem with that is we know that Jesus said, if you, if you hear my words, but you don't put them into practice, you're going to lose, right? Eventually your house will fall. And so I really want to exhort us this morning in an anxious world, world, and it, maybe we're feeling anxiety, not just to hear the words of Jesus, but to actually do them. And so here's what I challenge us to do this week. I want you to identify which of these three anxieties, antidotes, you need to work on this week. So which of the three anxiety antidotes you need to work on this week? So maybe it's growing your relationship with God. So ask yourself the question, when do I feel most close to God? When do I feel closest to God? For me, it's getting up in the morning and just spending time with God and his word. That's for me. For you, it might be out on a walk. For others, it might be going and serving someone. I don't know where you feel most God close to God. Intentionally practice that this week. That would be my exhortation to you. It doesn't happen. Relationship with God doesn't happen by chance. And 
certainly the rhythms of life don't set you up for that. So you have to intentionally practice that, not to check it off the box, but to grow in your relationship with God. Maybe that's the gap that you have. Or maybe it's the seek the kingdom first God, uh, gap. And I would encourage you to journal areas of your life where Jesus is not Lord. And just be real honest with yourself. God already knows. It's not like he's going to be surprised. So just start journaling. So what areas of my life is Jesus really not Lord? And then go talk with someone you trust about why that is and what you might need to do about it. Because we don't do it in isolation. We do it in community. And finally, maybe your gap in anxiety and this antidote is, is you don't live beyond yourself. You need to think about how to get outside of your own self to really serve the needs of others. And my challenge there would be, what's one act of generosity you can do this week with your resources that shifts your heart from yourself to others? It doesn't have to be anything big. Where's one opportunity on your calendar this week where you can live beyond yourself? Because I guarantee you in that moment when you're doing that, anxiety will drop. So relationship, kingdom first, living beyond yourself. Where's the biggest gap you have, and what can you do intentionally this week to close that gap? I'll tell you, anxiety has been one of my struggles all my life, trauma in childhood all the way up to adult. But I can tell you, as my view of God increases, as I seek first his kingdom with others, and as I live beyond myself, anxiety starts to drop. It's not always perfect, right? There's no formula for this. But we can go deep in our hearts. We can let God work in our hearts. And we, like Jesus, can go on the other side of our anxieties. One of the things I'll close with is this. You know, Jesus came out of the garden, and what did he do? He went to the cross. And Scripture says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. We have a Jesus who not only experienced anxiety, but he went through anxiety and now there is no anxiety. He sits with God in heaven, and he's there for us. So as we look at these gaps, let's come to that Jesus who knows us and put our anxieties before him and grow in his grace, to his glory, and for our good. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you for checking in to the Serve Community Church podcast. If you're interested in more information on how to connect with our community, if you're led to support us in any way you can or have any further questions, please check us out on social medias like Facebook or Instagram or go to our website at servecc.org. God bless and have a great day.